Milan himself, the natty prince of Palermo, the Italian stallion, Luciano Gentili, stops by. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How's yourself? Mate, I'm, I'm buzzing for this. It's overdue. We spoke about this months ago. To kick us off, mate, who is Luciano in 2020? Uh, Luciano in 2020, it'd be easy for me to come on and be like, yeah, I'm an online coach. I'm doing all this good stuff. I'm totally know where I'm going and I'm, uh, I'm driven. But the reality is 2020, just finished lockdown. I'm confused about a lot of things. I've got a general direction I want to go in. But there's lots of kind of there's lots of conflicts going on in my head, and, but uh, at the same time I'm still motivated to get what I need to get done. Um, got my general goals in mind uh, with online coaching. I'm setting up my mum's business. Um, I'm still I'm doing a dissertation, finishing off that, and uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of things going on, which is causing kind of conflict and stuff in my head. But at the same time, I, um, it's all going good, but there's still. Still confusion there, which I think most people at age will have. Your recent accolade, you won the UK Ultimate Physics, right? Into yeah, 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 yeah. That was Scottish one, yeah. That was a that was a big uh, big competition to win for me. Anyway, it's my first ever competition, so winning that was was huge. Yeah, I I can imagine, mate. Like you can hear off the bat that you're balancing your mum's business, your own business, a degree, and bodybuilding. Yeah. I think that's just testament to the kind of workhorse you are. So I guess, why bodybuilding? Why did you apply that kind of work ethic to, to bodybuilding itself? Is there something specific you love about it? Uh, it all came about, I didn't actually love bodybuilding at the start. My dad was a junior Scottish champion when he was uh, when he was like around my age from 19 to like 20, 21. Um, and he always done it when I was growing up and I was never really interested in it. I was a break dancer. That was something that I'd done. And, uh, I was quite good at it. I won a Scot. I won um, under sixteen Scottish break like for dancing. Um, I travelled around with that a bit, and then I got a really bad back injury. After the back injury, uh, they told me I couldn't ever dance again. Uh, there was a possibility I would have had to get an operation on my back. I was I wasn't walking properly, and I was only like seventeen. Because with break dancing, it's quite risky in terms of the uh, the, mov- the movements you do, and I was doing backflips and landing bad and stuff. And, um, so after that, I kind of had nowhere to go. I was still quite down and stuff. So um, I see my friends start to go to the gym and my dad was encouraging me to go to the gym because I was starting to put on a wee bit of weight and I was getting out of shape and I was always used to being in shape. So I get into that a little bit um, and then I wasn't really motivated by it. I, the way I seen it was I didn't, I thought it looked boring, like people just lifting weights and stuff. So I done it for a bit, went on holiday, uh, ate all the food in Italy again. And I looked terrible, so I was like, right, I need to get back into it. But into it, started seeing some changes, started learning more stuff off my dad. And I'm one of those people where I need to know why I'm doing everything. I don't want to just lift weights and hope for the best. I need to know what's the best way to do it, what's the most efficient way I could be using my time. I don't want to be wasting any time. I don't want to be doing any fad diets. But I did do fad diets. I went into try detoxes, the detox uh, drinks. I tried um, no carbs. <laughs> tried um start basically starving myself i tried all that stuff like so it comes in handy when i'm working with clients because i've been through all the same stuff they've been through uh, and i was able to come out the other end and win a championship which i didn't expect to do because i transferred into boxing and uh, we can talk about that a little bit after i finished doing boxing then i went back into 
weights again so it wasn't just bodybuilding straight into that and I'd done that forever it was like kind of back and forth all the different interests and um, that ended up my ultimate path yeah. so it sounds like from what I heard that your dad introduced you to it at first yeah. when you first fell in love with bodybuilding was it just to kind of make your dad proud or please your dad at first uh, or was it more intrinsic than that no I think it was because I seen my friends do it and, I, and my dad was doing it and I had nothing to do so I I'm the type of person, if I don't have goals, if I don't have something that I really want to do, then I don't feel good, I feel terrible. I feel as if I don't have a purpose, or, um, I have no motivation, I find it hard to get up in the morning, but when I've got my goals there, I'm motivated. And I think a lot of the time people can say, when you're feeling stressed, you're not feeling good, try and just relax and do nothing. For me, that's the worst thing you could do. For me, it's like, give yourself some responsibility, give yourself something to work towards and that that's going to keep you, you happy. I mean, that that works for me. I don't know if that'll be the same for everybody else, but that's just what I've found. Um, yeah. That, that strikes a chord with me. I'm the same. I need input all the time and I need to have the whole input process, output kind of mentality to my day every single day. So I guess there's a difference between being a, a gym goer and then being a bodybuilder. Did you have to make a conscious switch between that or did it just happen accidentally? Yeah, well, I started getting really into the gym to the point where I was training five, six times a week anyway. So I was already spending a, a few years without competing, without ha even having in my mind that I was going to compete. Anything I do, I kind of like to do it to extremes, just the way I am. So, um, no, for me, it, it went naturally into training like a bodybuilder because um, I, I enjoyed mm -hmm. the gym. So I didn't need, really need the switch. And I don't think most people need that switch um, to get a really good physique. But to go into bodybuilding I think you do need a kind of when I'm training though I like to get the like certain types of music on like two pack 50 cent just getting to a pure zone so I'm able to flip that switch when I go in I don't need any kind of preparation to tell me okay right this is I'm going into preparation for a competition or, but my, I must say my the way I trained stepped up majorly when I went into that competition but um, training in general no I, I can flip that switch and train quite hard anyway so you basically had like the framework built for being a bodybuilder by accident. You were already following the, the intensity, yeah. the probably the nutrition. Yeah. All you had to do was like fine tune the yeah. the training up a notch, and that was your yeah, yeah. When it came to getting into prepping for a bodybuilding competition, in terms of upping my knowledge, like increasing my knowledge, there was a big difference. Uh, I knew that I was going to be competing against other people that had nutritionists, coaches, um, all of which had previous experience in competing. Um, I didn't have any coaching stuff, so I had to learn everything they did in a short period of time, basically, in order to be able to compete against these other guys. Um, so in terms of learning and stuff, it, I had to flip a switch on and say, okay, I need to learn all these things. But in terms of training, I just had to um, keep my eye on the goal and, and really push hard to make sure I, I took the win. I love it. We heard initially that you competed in your first show and won your first show yeah. and that was the UK Ultimate Physics in 2019. Yeah. Give us a bit of a backstory of um, when you decided to compete, the prep of the competition itself and then obviously the output, what happened? Yep, yeah, so um, that came about because I cut down every summer to go on holiday anyway um, and people had been saying to me for a, a few years at that point that I should get into competing um, that I would do really well and I'd got 
to a good size because I, I I would naturally eat a lot, not just now, but I used to eat a lot. So putting on size wasn't really a, a problem for me. Um, and then I was cutting down anyway, and I heard about these physique competitions, and I seen other people posting about different ones on Instagram. And there was one boy I seen he was going to compete in it. Um, he'd already had experience, so I messaged him, basically asking for advice and stuff. And I, um, I applied for that. Um, UK Ultimate Physiques. I wanted to do UK DFPA, which is the, the tested ones, but I'm in a long distance relationship, and my summertime is for seeing my girlfriend, so I have to go abroad. Uh, and the competition was in like July or August or something. So at UK Ultimate Physiques was just at the start of summer. So I could do that one and then I wasn't able to do UK DFBA, but that's my, that's the route I want to go. Um, 20, 21 maybe, but more likely 20, 22. So when I went into, um, I decided to go for beginners at the beginning. I thought, okay, I'll enter into the beginners, but there was something in my head telling me if I do that, then I'm just kind of taking the easy route. Um, <laughs> and there was a boy kind of, that boy I was asking for advice, he, he found out that I signed up for it, and he knew that I was going to be in the same category as him and stuff. And I knew this boy, we got on well or whatever, and then he started saying kind of snide comments to me and online. And I was surprised. I just thought he was being sarcastic, but it was one of those ones where he kept... Like saying these things like, "Oh, you're gonna take, you're gonna take uh, bronze and stuff," and it, one of those ones I was, t- I was taking it as like a joke at the start, and then I realised, you no, know, he's being serious. So that kind of upped my motivation even more, and I thought, no, I'm not going to go to the beginners. I'm going to go in his category. <laughs> so it kind of that was a junior, yeah, right? I said I'll just go straight into juniors. I don't want to go beginners. I'll go into his category. Um, so that kind of motivated me, and that made me train a lot harder because he was kind of. Um, making it some sort of battle, do you know what I mean? To see who would win. So I thought I'll just go into his category and see what happens. <laughs> um, so yeah. on show day, what happened? On show day, um, sorry, I, I missed out the prep part. So preparation up for it, same sort of thing. Um, but my my training increased majorly. Uh, so I started training a, an extra day a week. So it went from five days a week to six days a week. Um, I was in doing extra, like my volume went crazy, especially for my shoulders and stuff. If you see the pictures of a competition day, um, my shoulders looked amazing, especially my side delts. I was doing crazy volume for my side delts. I was looking at certain things that would um, get me a competitive advantage over the other people. So one thing I seen was shoulders. A lot of people have kind of flat shoulders at the side. Um, and I was thinking, okay, I need, and I was looking at the criteria for what, they were judging on one was confidence the other thing was the tan which I couldn't I didn't really have much control over and the other thing was like the v-shape so the biggest shoulders with the smallest waist so I was avoiding doing um, ab works so my stomach would be smaller and I was trying to build up my shoulders in particular my side delts so that I would have the biggest v possible um, so I was doing all these little things to just get that competitive advantage that maybe other people would look over so done that trained hard um, done the posing, that was another thing that I tried to do different for everybody else. When I, when I used to watch bodybuilding competitions and in the, um, in the lead up to that competition, I noticed that bodybuilding shows looked so boring, at least to me. Like they all just go on, they have amazing physiques, they only concentrate on the physique in the lead up to the competition. And they go up and they stand and they don't know how to pose and they look really robotic and 
like they're very uncomfortable and they try and they put on this smile it's like and you can tell it's like a fake smile and I'm like I do not want to go up on stage and look like that I want to uh, I want to train myself just as much on the posing as I do like in the gym and I, I found a way to do that surely well. your bodybuilding surely your breakdancing and your yep your posing went hand in hand right did you utilize any breakdancing in your routine yeah did I don't know if you've seen the video but there's a I've done a lot of transitions and I've done like an arm wave and stuff like body pop type stuff when I was on stage and that that was the thing that gave me that competitive advantage um so yeah I thought that would be good to get in there just to um, just for the bodybuilders or people that are looking to compete because I know that's going to increase a lot of the people uh, a lot of people want to compete now I've noticed like young guys so that's a little bit of advice just try and look for ways to find a competitive advantage and we should do good So I guess the competitive advantage was not only the kind of judging knowledge that you knew about the V-taper but probably you're uh, you you probably brought something different to the table in terms of utilising dancing that probably yeah. Tick that box of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I need to see that video. I want to. I want to see that video. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not much footage on it. Um, there's just small clips. But next time I compete, I'll make sure to make it a lot better. So, and uh, I'll make sure there's someone there videoing it. So when we move on to show day itself, how were you feeling before your show? How? What was your expectations of yourself? And then what was the end result of the show itself? So in the lead up to the show, to be honest, deep down I was terrified. Um, but I'm really into self-development and stuff so I was training myself mentally just as much as physically on the lead up to the show um, I was using something called auto-suggestion which is basically positive self-talk so a lot of people see me as confident and, um, and stuff like that but the reality is I'm really insecure I've always been like that since I was younger um, but I'm able to hide it um, and that was I knew that was going to be a problem for me going on stage especially because I've not socialised and, and stuff the past few years because I've been working hard on certain projects. Uh, and I thought I'm going to be going from... Right, so I, I was used to always being in my room myself for, like, years. Now I'm going to be going on stage in front of all these people looking at me. I was terrified, but I was using that sort of suggestion. That was positive self-talk right up to the lead-up to the show. And I used that to... I went on stage, I was telling myself, you're the best, you've already won this, even though deep down... I was thinking to myself, what if you lose? What if you get humiliated? And I was so scared of all those things, but I just told myself, you're the best, you've already won this. And uh, I was first to go on stage for my category and I was terrified. I was like, I've never even done this and I, I don't even get to see the person going in front of me. So I get an idea for what it's like. I just had to go first on stage and I went up there and my heart was beating like mad. But once I got up there and I turned around and I walked, I told myself in my head, I'm the best, I've already won this. So that's the person I became when I was on stage. And it, that's what it looked like. I was able to like pull that off. Then I'd go backstage um, and the, the owners of the show were talking to me, like, you're so confident and stuff. And then they seen in me who I really am because they see me quite shy. And I was like, thank you so much. And I've been really nice to them. And I think they're a bit confused. They're saying, you look different <laughs> like from when you're on stage to... When we're speaking to you just now, uh, a lot of people were saying that, but yeah, so I was able to flip that switch out. I won that day. My, my goal was to not only win the juniors, but the overall, which to me deep down was impossible. But again, it was another principle I, another, uh, principle I used from the law of attraction just to set your goals high. Um, and I had my eyes on that overall as well, even though 
thought it was impossible. And when I won that, that was a big moment for me as well. Um, and after the show, it was I felt great. Yeah. And for the listeners who don't really know the structure of what a men's physique competition looks like, what's the difference between individual categories such as junior and overall? Yeah. What are the different categories, and how does that how does that formulate into the overall category? Yeah. So there's a beginners category, which was just normal men's physique, um, and overall. On that day, there wasn't just physique. There was like bodybuilding. There was uh, beginners. Um, there was male model. It was all different categories. And mine, I entered into the junior um, men's physique. So the winner of each category within like male model, bodybuilding, physique, they all had to compete against each other after that. So I competed against the the bodybuilder guys that won their category. So I competed against all the winners, all the guys that won their categories, and I won that as well. So that was like that was huge. I mean, I was like, how did I do that? My first ever competition. Um, I was blown away to be honest. I, I did not expect it in my head. I was telling myself I was. I expected it. in my head. I was telling myself you're the winner. But I was only doing that to kind of um, mask my insecurities and make myself feel better. But when it actually happened, it, I realized the importance of. Um, mindset and training yourself mentally just as much as physically. As this is a self-development podcast, can you go into more what auto-suggestion is? It's something that's completely new to me and it's something I want to take away from this. Yep, so auto-suggestion is a principle I learned from the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it before. I've heard of it, I've not read it though. Um, oh, you need to really read that. That is the, that is the king of self-development. Um I'm the king of self-development, <laughs> LG. Enough, Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I'm only joking. Uh, yep, so it's basically self, positive self-talk. Just keep po- talking positive to yourself. I think we live in a society where I realised this growing up when I was younger. Um, as I said, I was really insecure. And I started to get good at breakdancing and stuff, and that gave me confidence. And I started to genuinely feel good about myself, and I started to genuinely feel confident and Everybody liked me and stuff. And then because I was confident and I felt good in myself, other people noticed that around about my age. And then I started hearing other people saying, like, oh, he, he's full of himself or he's, um, he thinks he's something and all that. And then people told me that people were saying that about me. And what did I do? I changed myself to please everybody else. And I started, and instead of saying to myself deep down, oh, you're really good at dancing, you're really good at this, you're really good at that, I started saying to myself, no, you're not good. To, you're not, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that, because I thought that would be what... I thought other people would like me if I didn't like myself, and that's the way it works. Um, <laughs> if you don't like your... Like, the quickest way to be disliked is to be yourself. Um, that's what I found. Sorry, we went off on a tangent. Now, what, what was the question? <laughs> what, what is auto Yeah, My God, how did I go away with that? Um, Positive self-talk, that's basically all it is. So keep telling yourself positive things. Um, so when it led up to the competition, for me, it was, you're the best, you're going to win this. You're, um, you're the, nobody trains harder than you. Like Just kind of bullshitting yourself so like, until you become Those are like person. positive affirmations. Yeah, exactly, positive affirmations. It reminds me of um, the story about Jim Carrey that he wrote himself like a $10 million yeah. check acting services rendered before he was an up-and-coming actor and then one day he actually cash cashed the check for 10 million dollars after like the release of Ace Ventura or Dumb and Dumber or something yeah that's, that. the, that's the same stuff it comes from if you um 
if you spend a lot of time looking into really su- highly successful people, a lot of them, a lot of the principles that they they used to become successful come from that book, Thinking Grow Rich. Um, it's from the early nineties, and the principles, all the self help development books, most of them are based on that. Um, and you'll notice Floyd Mayweather, Fifty Cent, anybody that you admire, if you go look into them, they will have some sort of, um, they will have done the principles that are in those in those books um, to become successful. I think that's an action point for anyone that's listening. Write down Napoleon Hill, it's Think and Grow with... Rich. Uh, I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes or in the bio below. Um, so I guess you went from this. Uh, zero to hero journey where you had never competed before and then you stepped on stage presented your true self on stage with the break dancing won your category then won the overall yeah i guess your emotional state went from zero to hero as well you must have been overwhelmed by the support and the, the engagement after the show how did you manage becoming grounded again so when when a few weeks went by and you're back in the book studying how did you manage going from Hero, zero to hero and then perhaps in your head back to zero um, so yeah as you said I was definitely overwhelmed by it after I won the competition I put up a photo and it got like over a thousand likes people from England everywhere were like uh, messaging me and just felt it was if all my hard work paid off and then I had the chance um, to be sponsored that there was a coach wanting to coach me for free um, I had supplement companies messaging me um, I got invited to the British as well after I won that, so I had the, the chance to win the British. So it was a major high, but that major high was followed by probably my lowest low in my life because um, you go from a, a big high. And then um, my plan was to com- continue with competing, and uh, I had to talk with it. I had to talk about it with my dad and stuff, and. Um, at that point, I decided I probably wouldn't compete again just due to the drug usage and stuff that got to do with it. Um, if you were to go to a high level, if I do anything, I don't want to do it half-assed. Uh, I need to I need to go all the way. So my goal was Olympia, but it wasn't until I won that competition and I seen what I could do, I realised, okay, where do I go for here? Um, and I had to think about that. And when I, when I thought about the drugs and stuff and my dad kind of talked me out and said they said to me I hope you've done really well you're going to keep doing well with the natural competitions and stuff but um we didn't have any talk about steroids but it did come up in a conversation um about the future because I was talking about these guys like Jeremy Buendia and all the guys that are from Olympia and my dad was like I but they all take stuff or whatever uh so after that basically I decided not to compete again and that was followed by the lowest low in my life like I had nothing to do again I had no goal to work towards and because um, I realized that I couldn't kind of follow my dream I could have continued the competitions naturally um, and won even the non-tested shows I do believe that but I, I believe that once I got to a high level then it would have been near impossible to achieve anything great know quite well what your mindset is like and it is that whole all yeah. or nothing mindset and you've been following this north star of competing in olympia for a good few years and i can only sympathize of how that will feel to have that north star taken away from you because you realized to get to that level to be fully self-actualized in bodybuilding 
you need to take it to the next level in terms of drug use. So why did you, you said near the beginning that you, you would have preferred to compete in the drug-free tested yeah. shows opposed to the natural untested shows? Why is that? Uh, just because it's a, even though like I won that competition natural, like I wasn't tested. So it's one of those ones, it's probably, to be honest, it probably was to kind of shut other people up because I've been hearing since I was like 19 years old, oh, you take steroids and stuff. So to me, I wanted to compete in the, the tested one because it shut everybody up kind of thing. It'd be like, there, yeah, I got tested. And if I won it, they, you get tested even more. I think you get the, the urine test and then throughout the year, you need to sign up to um, to random testing so they can test you anytime. So it's kind of for other people. I'm going to admit it, I could say oh, it's for me, but it's probably just for other people. But I do want to go that route. It'd be a great achievement to uh, to win a natural show as well. So I'm definitely, I've got that in the cards again. My plan is to compete again. I've decided I want to do it. So I'm just going to go the natural route and see where it takes me. You heard it here. <laughs> Luciano Gentile is competing yeah. again. Yeah, you heard yeah. it first. So why natural Why natural then, mate? What, like, if you know this, because I think you're, and everyone thinks your physique is almost yeah. unnatural. I, I know you are natural, but your body, like, people take steroids to get to where you are. Are you not curious where you can take your current natural body with the usage well, of steroids? Well, that was why exactly natural? what I thought after the show. So I had the, the guys that, the um, uh, owners of UK Ultimate Physiques were telling me the potential I had said you could go all the way with this I had uh, the judge that was there he was already sponsored by big companies and stuff he said you can go all the way with this you can you can be one of the best and stuff so I was already in a high and I, and I knew to myself that was how I realised my potential if I took drugs going up to that competition and I won it then it would just be a case of oh I, I took drugs to win that competition even though other uh, other guys might have took drugs going to that competition took steroids the fact that I didn't and I won that I don't care what anybody else thinks anybody can say what they want or they can believe what they want but me knowing that I won that without taking steroids I thought to myself if I can do that then definitely I, I can go to Olympia and I can win Olympia um, I know that's a big statement people will be like oh he's up himself but I, I just I genuinely believe that with my posing and stuff it's not just about the physique or I believe if I took drugs I could but again I probably would have. This is me being honest. I probably would have took that route. I would have continued to be natural for a few years. Um, and then I might have took that route of taking steroids. But um, I had to talk with my dad. Uh, my dad definitely talked me out of that. Um, and everything I do is kind of to please my family. And to, I want my family to be happy. It's not all about me. So um, if that means if taking steroids and stuff make, means like disappointing my family or and I don't want to do that you know what I mean so that's why I decided to go to continue to be natural and um, just take that route and see where it takes me it's a very difficult dichotomy or different a really difficult yeah. dilemma my mindset is that if I have this north star I probably wouldn't let anyone stop yeah. me actualizing it whether it's my family or not so it just shows you how much of how much family means to you that's probably your single guiding principle family yeah, first right definitely um it's hard i feel as if in life we're always kind of trying to please everybody else and when you're doing that if, if you ever if you ever find you're not motivated i found this on myself my times of low motivation are because i'm not really truly doing what i want to do or i'm not really on the path that I want to be on maybe I'm on the path that other people want me to be on um, and it is a hard one to juggle 
Um, but I guess you need to make the decision at the end of the day. But at this point, this time and moment, uh, I decide to just keep my family happy and do what they want me to do. But um, yeah, it's a hard one. That's a, that's a touchy subject. <laughs> I, I can imagine, mate. Um, and like I said, it's testament to your love to your family that you put them first, then your North Star. And I can imagine that does kind of pain yeah. you every day. Like, you probably have this decision tree of sometimes venturing into the unnatty world and then you're like, oh, I'm a family. That's my single guiding principle. Yeah. I'll take that back. So I guess, I know personally that your physique stems from genetics. I've seen pictures of your dad. He was a, a buff, ripped fellow as well. So I know I completely know that you're natural. But how do you manage the comments and the steroid hate that lands on uh, your page? So I don't directly get it um, under my comments and stuff. Um, it's usually people I know in the gym saying, oh, this person's saying you, don't, you take stuff or that person says you take stuff. And I used to get really annoyed about it. And I used to post stuff uh, on online to kind of give a background of my thoughts on it and why people just say everyone's on steroids. And I think it's because it makes them feel better about themselves. It's like, um, it's one of those sports where if anybody looks better than you, then you can just say, oh, it's because they take steroids. Especially among coaches and professionals in the industry, it's like, um, makes them feel better because they're coaching other people and they want to be the person that's the authority for their clients and their, for, for their potential clients. And they want to say like, oh yeah, that guy only looks good because he takes steroids. That coach is only looking that good because he takes steroids. And it's just a kind of a defense mechanism, I believe. But um, I think we all come from our own perspectives on what's possible naturally. So for me, I look at guys that everyone says is natural. And I say, like there's some Gymshark athletes that look incredible that everyone says, oh no, they take stuff. And I would look at them and say, I think that's possible naturally. Why do I think that? Because I've seen what's possible with myself. I've seen what's possible with other people in my family and uh, with my clients and implementing some of the stuff, that some of the ways I train with my clients in 16 weeks or in a short period of time, I see them look incredible. So I know that it's not a case of everyone's on steroids. I know that it's just a case of everyone says everyone's on steroids just so they can feel better about themselves. But the fact of the matter is if you put in the work, eat plenty of food, protein intake high you're going to make amazing gains and you're going to look unnatural after five years six years that's just the way it works but you need to put in the time and no one does and that's why their perspective is you need to take steroids to look like that because they go on and off to the gym and they're on and off with their diet whereas there's people out there that train six times a week like myself five or six times a week they put in the work not for a year not for two years but six years at a time five years at a time and that's why they look better than everyone else and that's for me that's just how it is when people comment these things and there's rumors going around right how do you stop that actually landing on your page um you... i think you just need to ignore it you need to i think really? the better let let them comment it um i've even seen people building a business off of off of that i've seen the sales pages for other coaches because I obviously with my market and stuff and I'm, I'm into business and I, I like to go on and analyze what successful people are doing and I've seen guys in America that are coaches that's part of their sales pitch you can always use it as a positive uh, they'll go on to say this is the 12 week program I've done or this is uh, the program that I've used to be cut to look like this um, it's got me to the point where people say that um, I look unnatural or they look, I look as if I'm taking steroids and they're actually using that to sell their program so Use it as a positive. There's no point in 
um, letting people get to you. And I think just to, honestly, just ignore it. See, when you start like responding to it, it just looks bad on you. And there's no point in wasting your energy on people that are obviously just ignorant or they genuinely think. I think people genuinely think, though, that um, you can't get like that naturally. And fair enough, if they don't, then they can have comments. I think you just have to take a step back. There's no point in getting getting um, worked up about it. I used to do that, but just to let them be, let the comments there. I, I wouldn't even delete them. I just put them there and I'd laugh at it or I'd like it. And it gives me more comments, increases uh, my engagement. So comment away, keep saying what you want. <laughs> what kind of sacrifices did you have to make to um, transition yourself from pre show to prep to, to show? So. I just had to train more hours, so I would have less time studying. Um, I'd have, I was kind of lucky in a way because I don't, um, I actually don't have any friends. I know that sounds, I'm not saying that to like, I'm not saying that to like uh, get sympathy written, but after school and stuff, I've, you have one right I here. Fell away from my, thank you, thank you. I fell away from my friends and after high school. And um, so I don't I don't socialize at all to be honest. So I had plenty of free time to train and stuff, and uh, so I didn't have to make too much sacrifices um, in terms of the diet I did because I love I'm Italian, so I love my pasta, I love uh, cakes, coffee, and I love all that stuff. But the biggest sacrifice, yep, <laughs> got a coffee there. Um, the biggest sacrifice was the food, um, and then the hunger started coming in once I got to single digits and body fat. Hunger started coming in, and that was the huge sacrifice because that, that's a battle in itself. Do you think your socialising point stems from the area you grew up, the kind of people you were hanging around, and then them not aligning to where you want to be? Did you have to cut them out cognizantly, or was it just No, accidental? no, it just kind of happened um, naturally. Um, once you finish high school, like people you're friends with in high school, I think you think you're always going to be friends with them. Um, very quick when school finished, we went our separate ways. Um, we're still on good terms, nothing bad, but we just uh, went our separate ways. Never since I've found it really hard to make new friends, um, because I knew for me, if I had friends again, it wasn't. I don't want friends just to keep myself company. I, it needs to have a feeling that it's real, and I I found that I tried like for a couple of years, like to socialise and pop socialising because I know it's an important part of uh, being healthy mentally and I, I tried to socialise with a lot of people and I, I found I just couldn't because I'd go in social circles and uh, I'd go and meet people and they'd be talking about other people, they'd be talking negative about their own friends and um, they'd be talking really negative just in general and I thought this is not going to benefit me in any way or I don't want to be around people like that and I I don't like talking bad about other people. I live by some principles, which are mostly based off of that book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, and it's just about not having any of that negative stuff, like talking about other people or talking bad about yourself or just things that don't take you towards a, a better future. And so uh, that's always been a kind of struggling point for me is to socialise and, and make friends. But it's benefited me in that I've had time to study more. I've had time to work on my projects and do well and those kind of things. I know you're from Castlemilk in Glasgow and I'm from a small yeah. town in Ayrshire and I realise being in like these kind of towns there's, there is small town or fishbowl syndrome this sounds so narcissistic but you probably enjoy your own thoughts so much that you've just secluded yourself and matured yourself 
through your own through i guess being friends with yourself yeah, that sounds so stupid but you probably love your own company because you have these amazing thoughts that have stemmed from these principles that come from the books um so moving on if you think that your biggest sacrifice is but you don't no, drink I much either do you all. um no that's doesn't drink. because uh, my dad is kind of strict growing up and he he's always kept me on the straight and narrow so as you said i did grow up in castle it's one of the worst areas in glasgow um I went to Holyrood, Southside of Glasgow. Like, there's a lot of opportunities there for me to go off the rails. And um, my dad never allowed me to drink, even when I was up to eight, 18 years old or 19 years old. If he found out I was drinking, he'd go crazy. So I kind of just obeyed him and I didn't want to ever disappoint him. So I never drank or anything, but it's kind of benefited me. But at the same time, it's uh, been a problem for me trying to socialise with other people because around those social circles when and like people from Castlemilk or people from the school I used to go to can't it was kind of a main problem for me as well trying to socialize with people while not having a drink or going out to nightclubs at the weekend and being the one I was always the one that was a driver <laughs> for my friends so I was kind of standing in the middle <laughs> of the nightclubs and all my friends were maybe talking to people and they were all drunk and I was always sober so that, that was how I fell away from my friends as well uh, some of my friends, because um, I wasn't kind of crazy like them, or I wasn't drinking, or, um, yep, so that's, yeah, can be an issue. Mate, I can, I can resonate with that because the only reason I drink is to socialise. I don't, I don't enjoy the taste. Like wheat flavoured water, that's basically what beer is <laughs> fucking just rotten. Uh, like the, the the properties in terms of the gym, like it, it basically creates a fucking oil around your fat cells. You, f- you always lose a day for drinking, losing a day for being hungover. You have the fear for like three days. It's not for me, mate. But like you said, like the only reason I do it is to socialise. And pro- probably, we spoke about this with Colin Campbell, but the only reason I do it is to fill a, an efficiency in myself yeah. to feel confident uh, on a night out. Whereas I've just realised, I think 2021 for me is yeah. the year to go sober. Have you ever felt that when you do like socialise with other people, there's something missing? It's just not the, it's not as real as, or it's not the same, like... I do believe that myself. I think that's a, one of those principles that are, that's actually in uh, Thinking Grow Rich as well. You become the average of the people you hang out, the five people you hang around, hang around with. And um, you try and socialise with other people. That's what I've found. And you do, you can find people that, that are more positive and take you forward. And you can find those social circles. But at the same time, there's always that something missing like um, from your old friends. And it's hard to kind of, Juggle between the two, and how do I keep that realness and just be myself while meeting new people? And I don't, while you meet new people, you don't want to be like act like someone else just so you can fit in with them. It's a hard thing to juggle. Do you find, or do you find it quite easy? For me, I find it hard. I don't know about you. No, I do find it hard. I think that's why I do have so many friend groups. Like I don't have one friend that encapsulates all those things I'm looking for. The ability yeah. to talk shit about girls and drink and have a laugh and keep me grounded, but also be a highly geared individual who's uh, it's hard to juggle it's in value so I think that's why I have I basically, I'm basically i basically creating one friend from like 10 different friend groups um, yeah. I think I'm spread to one of my goals for 2021 is to love less but love harder and that, that doesn't mean girls or family it means just like friends and people I associate myself with I think I'm spread an inch an inch long a mile wide but for 2021 yeah. I want to like hone that in and spread myself an inch wide but a mile long does that make sense like I want to yeah, have I get, I get you, yeah. probably like you a tighter group 
but then have more time and more affection and more love for that group. And that's something I'm working on to be honest, mate. I think I do spread myself too thin. And I try and create one friend or a couple friends from 50 friends because they all have these 50 friends. Maybe not 50. I'm fucking overdoing myself. Let's say six. <laughs> I'm, probably, <laughs> I'm probably trying to create one person out of these six people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that. I always, when I meet new people, it's always like, if there's something in them that it's not because I'm judging them. I'm not like that. I hate, I hate people that judge other people, but I might go in other people's company and I'll be like, there might be a few things that's like, nah, like I, I don't think I could go on with them that well. And it could, they could be like 99% perfect, but then it wouldn't, there'd be something there. They'd be like, nah, if they talk about other people, if they said a bad comment about someone else, I'd just be like, ah, there we go again. That's another friend that I wouldn't have just because. So I find that I, I really struggle with that. I don't know how to go into new friendships and just have friendships for the benefit because then I would feel as if I'm being fake, but I don't know. I need to learn how to do that. So. Maybe you if think? you have experience with that, you can teach me how to um, manage that better. And anyone listen, if you have uh, any good tips on relationships or friendships, send them to me and Luciano because uh, we're obviously we're struggling. Yeah. We're struggling. <laughs> we need pals, come on. <laughs> um, I guess it's a good segue point to go into relationships. I wasn't going to ask about this, but I think it's very relevant. You have a long-term relationship. Just going to, I'd love to learn about how you how you met your girlfriend and how you manage a long-term relationship? Um, so it was actually very random. You probably won't believe us, but we had each other on Facebook and we don't know how we had each other on Facebook. Um, and it just, I messaged her one night, like quite dry. I wasn't trying to chat her up in it. And I just said, I know you, like really dry. And she was like, I wanted to ask you the same thing. And then we started talking. At that time, I couldn't speak Italian very well, but I taught myself how to speak Italian. And, um, I spoke to her using Google Translate a lot and stuff and um, <laughs> I ended up meeting her five months later and I met her and it was just one of those people I found she was really real and just no hiding, no acting. It was none of those, was one of those things where when we were messaging each other, she wasn't like playing hard to get or messaging me, waiting half an hour for the text, to text me back and stuff. She like, I spoke to her that night and the next morning she messaged me saying good morning. Like, so there was no like, playing with her there's no games and for me I kind of that was kind of a sign like oh this is someone that's different and when I met her five years later I really enjoyed her company no five months later I really enjoyed her company and um, we got in a relationship and we only see each other a couple of months throughout the year but we've still been together for almost five years now it's not been easy but um, we're still going strong after five years Wait, that's incredible so I'm guessing you met her in Italy when you went over. Yeah, I went over to Sicily that summer. So I messaged her in January. I know the date. She'll be happy about this. <laughs> uh, January the 6th is when we started talking in 2016. And then, um, yeah, I went to meet her in June 2016. And I've been over to see her every, every year in summertime. Yeah. Trips. Any girls listening to this, get you a man, get yourself a man like Luciano. That's. that's no, I'm uh, far from perfect. I'm very far from perfect. Uh, I've had my struggles, but I'm learning along the way. That's my first ever girlfriend, so it's been um, it's been a learning experience. But I'm still I'm still trying my best. So <laughs> um, it's going it's going alright. It's kind of worked in my favour because um, I do kind of like to keep myself busy, and um, although I'd I'd like to see her all the time. 
um, it's probably benefited me in that I see her in summertime and that's my time to have a break. And during the year, I can focus on what I need to focus on. I can go to uni, I can come home, I can go to the gym, I can focus on my projects. Whereas if she was here, maybe a lot of the time would be spent maybe like relaxing or not not doing much, do you know what I mean? So I've tried to see it as a positive rather than a negative. I was about to say that. Like, I'm sure during your bodybuilding prep and your studies, it sounds sadistic, but you're probably thankful that it was long distance because you wouldn't have, I think, otherwise, be, being, at your, being your first relationship, being a relationship that is a mile deep, like we spoke about, you didn't really have that. I think if she was maybe over in Castlemilk or in Glasgow, you'd probably find social comfort in that because it's your first yeah. true love uh, in terms of friendships or relationships. And you might have not achieved the amazing things that you've achieved, mate. So unless you want to touch on that itself, we can talk about business and in your degree. Yeah, we can go into that. Yeah. Okay, outside of bodybuilding, who is Luciano Gentili, the businessman and the marketing almost grad? Um, so I've got my bachelor's degree already. I was just doing an extra year uh, in business with marketing-based, because uh, you get to choose subjects. So the chosen subjects that I had were all marketing-based. I, I like marketing and um, sales and that kind of thing, and digital marketing in particular. Um, so as a person, I'm really driven to to be the best marketer I can be, best businessman I can be. Um, my, I had business success from as young as 14 years old with zero money I'm talking about I didn't have I didn't have a penny and I ended up getting a project together that was bringing us home I, I brought my friend into it so we're doing like four or five hundred pound an event each what was um, it under 18's nightclub so a lot of people that know me from when I was younger um, I used to dance like I said I, I was a break dancer and what we used to do is we used to busk in town we used to dance and stuff and um, after that, we would go to Boho Nightclub. Uh, so this was when I was, I was about 11 or 12. We used to go to Boho Nightclub, and a lot of the people that used to watch us dance in town used to come to that nightclub. So we were getting this nightclub a lot of uh, customers. Um, so they started letting us in for free, free drinks and stuff every week. Um, as long as they were, we were going, we were bringing them in money all the time. And eventually they started asking me to be a PR. So I went. I started going out and I was handing out leaflets and stuff and uh, the way it worked was I needed to get, those people needed to say my name at the door for me to get commission for them getting in. So I was only about 14 at the time and uh, one night I went and obviously a lot of the younger kids, like they just, they forgot to say my name or whatever, they just went in and paid. There was no incentive for them to say my name, like getting a cheaper price or whatever. So a lot of them never said my name and I remember one night I was supposed to get paid now, bear in mind, I don't come from a lot of money or anything, so I was kind of looking forward to getting paid. And they said to me, oh, no, you never bring in much people tonight, but 90% of the people that were in there was because we used to dance and stuff, and the, all the young girls used to follow us about in town. They would see us there, and we'd say, come to Boho tonight, and they would all go. So we were making them a lot of money, and that night when I never got paid, it was that. I was kind of, I was angry about it. I was like, I can't believe this. And I knew someone that was doing a nightclub in city centre in a nightclub called Tattoo. Um, and we started bringing a lot of customers to them. And what happened was one of the boys said, would you like to take over? And I was only like 14, 15, because I, I was the one bringing all the people. So without me, kind of, me and my friends, like without us, there was no one really coming. So I thought we could do this on our own. So all we had to do was pay the rent, 
and the security was included, the DJ was included, and uh, we just took the risk and we brought all the people, paid seven pound a person, we would get like 200 people in there and we would pay the rent and the rest would be, be ours. So we'd done that, we started getting leaflets made, I was only like 14, um, brought my friends on to help me. Uh, with dancing in town with zero money, would use whatever money we'd made from dancing to buy the leaflets and would dance and then would hand out those leaflets and would get people to come to, um, to Tattoo, which was a nightclub in town. DJ Vance, big up to him because he gave us the opportunity. Uh, I don't know, a lot of people know DJ Vance because he's a famous DJ in Glasgow, kind of rave music and stuff. And he gave us the opportunity to do our underratings in the club in there and we had a lot of successful nights in there. I remember coming home to my friend Yasser's house and we had all this money, like big bundles of money and we were covering ourselves in it. And So that for me was my first entrepreneurial experience. So from kind of getting taken the piss out of me and um, those guys kind of, even though they did treat us nice, like they let us in for free and stuff, they, uh, one night, that night they never paid me. Like it gave me the, the courage to go do my own thing and that was my first entrepreneurial experience and it really, that's what the reason I'm doing everything I'm doing today in terms of business and marketing. That's why I have a passion for it. You always hear these entrepreneurial genesis stories from people like you and I who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah. I think we do have a deep hunger for wanting more. Yeah, uh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. So we can tell that you're a thoroughbred entrepreneur and a thoroughbred, highly ambitious, highly geared individual. What are your business projects now or was there any more business projects after that or is it does it stem straight yeah. into your current one yep yeah. so we've done the under 18s night club that went well for a while and then the trend started going into house parties so it used to be under 18 under 18s night clubs and then people at around their age range uh started going to house parties so it died down so that was a kind of failure that came along with that once i turned 18 i tried over over 18s night club we've done that in district um, that went well the first night, but uh, we kind of had a fallout with the PRs and the manager in there. Um, things weren't going good. The second night didn't go good. It was a fail. But from that failure, uh, I'll definitely learn. That was the thing that pushed me to go and study business. Um, I didn't do well in school, but I kind of flipped my mindset and thought to myself, you need to tell yourself again that you're you're smart or whatever and go college, go to uni and get a business degree. and. Um, yeah, I've done that. So I'd, I've done the under-18s, the over-18s. Um, I've done business ventures just here and there randomly, like during the lockdown there. Um, I started selling weight benches and weights equipment. So i, I seen that coming. And uh, I bought I bought in a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff, some from abroad, some from the UK, um, and resold them when the time was right, when the lockdown happened, um, and made myself a bit of money that way. So... Yeah, I'm always looking for things to do. The theme that I got from you there, Luke Channel, was the theme of arbitrage and the theme of pattern recognition. Yeah. Especially with the lockdown. That's that, I, I remember seeing that, mate. Um, you're flipping benches, dumbbells, barbells. <laughs> well, let me know more about the business process behind that. Um, so I, was, I was a middleman for, for some things, so I was buying things that people were already reselling. Um, some of the benches and stuff and then from some of the other things I was looking uh, abroad to get it shipped and stuff and then I got I emptied my bank account I mean I emptied it a huge risk um, 
But because my coaching, I was doing online coaching at the time, and because obviously the gyms had shut, I, lo- I could kind of lost all my clients. They said, I'll come back to you, but I'd lost all my clients. And obviously I'm a student. How am I going to make money? And I thought, okay, I seen that opportunity, and I'm like, I'll go for that. And uh, I bought all these benches in, like spent a couple of grand, and like, I em- totally emptied my bank account. I had zero in it. I had like three pounds or something. Um, but I knew, I was like, I've got all this stuff coming, I'm going to sell it. I started selling it before a lot of the stuff even arrived. So by the time it arrived, um, I'd just been going out. People were coming to collect it. I was going to drop it off. And uh, I made all my money back and obviously a lot more. So, Smashed so what are your business ventures right now in 2020? Um, so I'm currently increasing, well, I'm, I'm trying to better my online coaching. That's I've not even started that properly yet people think oh I do online coaching what you see is what you get no it's like that's not even started um, I'm still obviously doing my dissertation at uni so I'm juggling that um, online coaching stuff I'm doing courses just now so I can make that as efficient as possible I've started using softwares um, to make the user experience much better um, currently the other business I'm doing is my mum's business which is recovery coaching and she's an addiction specialist so my mum when I was growing up, she had a, um, her own battles with addiction. And uh, she tried for a long time after relapse and stuff, and she finally got sober. Um, she's now over 10 years sober. She's worked in Spain in treatment centres, and she's really passionate about helping other people. Um, and her dream has always been to open up her own business, recovery coaching, and to help other people uh, recover from alcohol addiction. So we're doing that just now. She doesn't have any clue about how to do the business or marketing side of things. So... Um, I'm learning as I go along. Having a business degree does not mean um, that you know everything about business. I would actually, if I would have went back in time, I wouldn't have done my degree. I would have just done, went into the deep end and learned from experience. I don't think that anybody really needs to do that. Um, so I'm learning as I go along. I'm trying to build up that business as well. It's called Footprints to Recovery. The site is almost finished. That will be uh, that will be done soon, and I'll I'll share that. Uh, I'll make so sure to link it in the bio. That's very meaningful thank you. to me as well. Thank you. So. It's footprints to recovery, my online coaching, and juggling that with university at the moment where we're doing my courses. Like I'm trying to do the courses to better my business, which I'm hoping will be all properly set up by summertime. Awesome. So how yeah. do you see 2021 looking for Luciano Gentile? Uh, 2021, half of the year, is probably going to be the same position I'm in right now, kind of struggling to keep motivated because I'm trying to juggle so many things uh, we're just having being optimistic and knowing that it's all going to work out in the end um, I'm hoping by this time next year by the, like December 2021 things start looking up for me uh, things aren't going amazing just now because I'm kind of in the deep end just trying to battle through it um, I'm not earning a lot of money I'm just kind of I'm getting by making a profit and everything that all my profits are going back into my business, back into my learning. So I'm trying to level off a little while and trying to achieve those goals I've got. And hopefully by 2021, things will start looking up. I think it will, mate. I have full trust in you, mate. Thank you. Where can the people find you? Where can people uh, embark on this journey? Um, My Instagram is... I just changed it, actually. So I think it's Luciano G96. L-U-C-I-A-N-O-G96. Um, and that's basically my, where I, I do everything from Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page, Luciano Gentile, as well. But 
that's just getting set up. I've not uh, properly uh, set that up. So the main one is Instagram and my mum's business, which I will be putting up, is going to be footprints2recovery.co.uk slash home. Um, yep, so that's where you can find it. I'll make sure to link all those in, in the bio below and I'll make sure to link your LinkedIn as well. I know you're proficient on that as well. It was a pleasure talking yep. to you, mate, and we've only met once but we've been in contact for two years so it was really humbling to hear your story the mental cognitive processes behind the man that built the uk ultimate physique 2019 an absolute pleasure mate let's do this again sometime pleasure for me as well thanks a lot for having me on and hopefully we can uh, do it again where i'm less nervous and <laughs> can have the conversation phone a bit better <laughs> we'll do it in person next time mate i promise so, okay. Thank you.